Hello, and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one story or narrative-focused game and give our thoughts about it. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Duncan. And joining us this week for another episode is friend of the show, Josh. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Hey, thanks for coming back on here to talk about the final third of the Final Fantasy VII Remake. We've been building up to it for couple of months now. I think this is maybe the quickest we got through a long series, so I'm very proud of us for that. Uh, But we are finally here to talk about the game and all of its spoiler glory now that we know 100% of the story and everything that was going on with no ends left open whatsoever. Um, So All all ties are truly closed in this one. No knot has been left unknotted. Exactly. Or knotted. Or... I, I'm, I don't know specifically what you're going for with the not metaphor, but I appreciate it and I respect it. So, let's, uh, let's start, because we're going to do the normal recap that we normally do. We're going to go through, we're going to step through. It's going to be a bit of a longer episode, and we're going to probably have to skip over a lot, because a ton was covered in this episode compared to last episode. Um, but before we get to that, let's maybe talk a little bit about how kind of spoiler-free we felt about the game as a whole. Josh, do you want to you wanna start off? Yeah, I can start off here. Um, so I'll say second half, definitely uh, weaker in my opinion. Just general, general. I mean, I really like the game a lot still. I enjoy the combat. The you know latter half of the game has a lot of that, that's for sure. Just boss fight after boss fight, it seems like. I mean, I enjoyed it, but, you know, being a game, a player, a gamer. A, a player, real gamer. A gamer, <laughs> yeah. per se. Per se. I, I, you know, a player who didn't play the original. There's a lot that I think is lost on me, but I still enjoyed it a lot. Fair. Should I, I give it, should I give it a rating? You Should really rating? don't have to. But yeah, you're give it a numerical rating out of ten. We love those. Or just a Hold thumbs on. up or down. If you're gonna if you're gonna give it a rating out of ten, I do demand that you break it down into categories of like fun factor and yeah, graphics, graphics and everything like that. <laughs> uh, uh, Audio. Yeah. Uh, well, I can't do that one. Oh come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, graphics. Um, seven hot dogs out of sixteen summers. Nice. nice. All right. All right. All right. By that metric, using the exact same metric. Fun factor. Uh, ooh, uh, I wasn't ready for this one. You know, I'll go. I'll go ten hot dogs out of sixteen summers. That's oh. really not a good score for either of those. I yeah. feel like it was higher though. It was fun. It was higher. I, graphically, you think this game was less than a fifty percent? Okay, you know. Well, no. no well, that's true. On. I don't know no. the conversion on, of hot dogs on. to summers. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you don't know the conversion rate because how many hot dogs do you eat on a midsummer's eve? Exactly. Well, and during, the over the course of 16 summers, how many hot dogs do you eat? Way more than seven now that I think about it. And think about like how many hot dogs you eat. Like you eat more hot dogs, you get like really full. You got to find like the perfect medium. So I might have just given it. I a mean, that score. is explicitly how food works. Yeah. If you eat more <laughs> of it, you do tend to get really full. On yeah. this scale, lower is actually better because the less hot dogs you eat, the longer your life is going to be. Mmm. Okay. <laughs> now that we've mm. gotten that out of the way. Barrett's eating a lot of hot dogs. I'll just get that out there. You think he's gonna okay. die soon? I don't think he's gonna die. I just think he's gonna. Okay, let's just let's get Josh into the story a summary here. Prediction. Um, we ch- we jump into chapter fourteen. Barrett is at the doctor's office. <laughs> he says the doctor says you ate too many hot dogs, Barrett, and you gotta you gotta slow down on those. And he's eating them in during in media res right then, right there. Hot dogs in his face. Wow. He says something to the effect of not eating hot dogs is what Shinra wants. Yeah, yeah. Shinra hates hot dogs. <laughs> you um, all really should do more writing. This is top tier <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, it did happen. Um, so 
anything else? Uh, your spoiler-free thoughts? or This is on? your time to say anything you want to say hmm. that is spoiler-free. That uh, you want to end up saying later, because we want to do a good podcast. Hmm. You know, I'm not really... Hmm. I w- I'll just say, in general, the later half of the game felt weaker than the earlier half for me. Okay. So, Great. Yeah. Well, for me, I think that I am going to IGN split this baby right down the middle, because I All think right. that I agree with Josh on a lot of things there, because I do feel like, story-wise, and my like engagement with what was going on was lower towards the latter half. I think that the combat and like some of the stuff that was happening was kind of fun um i wish that the story move would have moved a little bit faster even though it feels like a lot happened it feels like the same either the same points were being made over again or the points that were being made were things i had no understanding of or interest from and if you're jumping with us for the first time here never played this series at all this is my first um Mm-hmm. introduction yeah. or experience with it so visually it's it's so it's so beautiful it's probably one of the most beautiful games that i've ever played it's got a nice like it 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 bridges the whole like realism to anime to like weird fantasy stuff i like it a lot it, it bridges sci-fi and fantasy in really nice ways so it is um visually stunning but the uh the the story stuff for me fell sort of flat because i feel like there is some needed information I, I, I either needed to know or maybe there isn't stuff I needed to know and um, it just wasn't my cup of tea. But uh, overall, the scenarios were fun. I like the kind of high action intensity when it did hit those beats. Sometimes it didn't. But um, yeah, I, I think overall I landed positive on the game overall with some big issues along the way that i'm going to get into but it was still a really fun experience and uh one of the better triple a games i've played in the last couple years all right i think that that's more what i wanted to hear i want to hear that like real sweeping praise at the end there um <laughs> it's still good it's it has a huge yeah, flaws but I, definitely I not exactly. an indie game um, or anything like um, that. i'm not um, saying bad by any stretch of the imagination i'm just, just messing yeah. with you i'm just messing with you um to follow that up, I, I think, to nobody's surprise, um, especially because I finished this game a while ago, so my thoughts have been kind of apparent throughout the last episode, I, I landed definitely more positive than either of you two. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this game. I think the ending is definitely the part where if you have, like, you benefit the most from having played the previous game. Um, if you're the type of person like me, I'm sure there were a lot of people that were like, I hate this, I hate the fact that they're doing weird and different things they're not supposed to. But if you're the type of person that I am, you were really engaged by that and really interested to see where they went with it. So I think in that respect, I got a lot out of the the second half of the game that I, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, and again, I just I thought the the combat was a lot of fun. I thought the boss design and the boss encounter design was really interesting in the back half. Um, I mean, visually, it, it's, it's stunning, but that's been true for the whole game. Um, yeah, just generally... I don't know. I really liked the game quite a bit, um, and I think that it, it it stuck with me in quite a way. I played a lot of it after it finished, went back and played a lot of it on hard mode. Um, it made me like reevaluate parts of my childhood, which maybe is having more of an impact on how I feel about it in retrospect than is fair to the game. But yeah, I, was, uh, I landed extremely positively on it. Yeah, um, that's good. I'm, I, you know what? I'm happy for you. I think by the end, I was like, 
I bet Alex really likes this. <laughs> I bet he's real happy with this. The highest praise you can give a game. Yeah. It, re- it made me reevaluate my childhood. And also, <laughs> Alex will like this. <laughs> this dumb shit that's happening on the screen right here, Alex would love it was, this. I will say this, without getting into spoilers, it is the best Kingdom Hearts game they have ever made. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, so let's jump in to the plot. Let's thicken up the soup um, and talk about the plot here. Um, so we left off, actually... In chapter 12, are we going to talk about chapter 13? Where did we land on that? I forgot. Um, I think, Josh, you're probably going to start walking through. So if you want to just really quickly recap what happened, um, starting from when you get to Eris' house after the plate falls, I think really not much happened. Like, we get a little bit of an info dump about Aerith, but that's about it. Um, and then we find out Wedge is alive. And that's I, pretty much the only thing that happens in that whole mm-hmm. chapter, mm-hmm. so we can mostly skip that. If there's anything you think you want to highlight, go for it. Otherwise, you can just start walking us through uh, around chapter 14 or so. Uh, no, I'll just start at 14. Um, so basically around here, we're back at Aerith's mom's house, El- mom's house uh, Elmira. And what we're basically looking for is her approval to go find Aerith, right? At this point. Yeah, yeah. You're... I want to make sure I got the timeline right. No, yeah, that's that's about where we're starting. Is is with you looking for Elmira to say that she's okay with you going to to go rescue Aerith from Shinra? Yeah, yeah. Because initially she really didn't want us to get want us to get involved like at all in this mm-hmm. whole situation. But we eventually earn her trust, and we're back there, and we're spending the night there. Um, at some point, you wake up in the middle of the night, and you get a encounter that's based off the rest of the game. Basically, you. You walk outside and you meet one of your party members. Mm-hmm. Um, I got Tifa in this situation, and I, I actually just learned that you get this—you you, know, whoever's out there—you get based off of decisions ba- or, uh, earlier in the game, which is pretty cool. So I got Tifa. Had a really heartwarming conversation with Tifa, where Cloud opened up and you know actually hugged Tifa for once, which was pretty nice. Uh, who did you guys get here? I got Aerith. Um, I don't know. I. It- I didn't know that was even an option at first because Aerith just seemed like such a natural link in the story there. Like, that just felt like a scene that needed to happen because she's, you know, talking about you coming to come save her from Shinra. Um, But I I really like that scene as well. Yeah, I also got Aerith. I felt like, I agree with you, Alex, it felt natural to the story and, like, you know, the kind of, like, mystical area that you were in with all the flowers and it was nighttime and it's just, like, you and her and... um, it was a really nice scene that I fit it fit in so well. It didn't feel like you know I could have gotten something else. I was also surprised that there were many options. But rewatching some of them, I really like the Tifa one. The bear one's good too, but I like the Tifa one quite a lot. I yeah, I, I I think feels... the bear one is is surprisingly good. Like I didn't expect much out of that when people were like, I was like, oh maybe it'll be like a fun throwaway scene, like haha, because you have to like intentionally not do side quests to get the bear one. Um, but it, I, I also really thought it was good where it's, you know, him talking about, like, people that he knew in Sector 7 and just kind of giving you fun stories. And it felt like it fleshed out the the stakes of what you are fighting for a lot. Um, the one thing I did want to mention about the Aerith scene is I think this is one of the high points of writing in the game for what it's trying to do, where it walks a line between being narratively very satisfying for first-time players, but also being, like kind of coy about the fact that it is aware of the fact that it's not the original game 
Like, I think that scene walks a really good line for both people who have played the game previously, like played the original and people who played the new one, in a way that you get something out of each side of that. What, um, what is the, well, I guess I can't really ask yeah, what the can't. thing is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, yeah. it's just light illusions, and it, it kind of, it fills in, like, um, kind of an emotional gap that was missing from this early part of the original game, and I think it plays to that really well. I was surprised she's like, I'm not surprised, but I was kind of like taken aback in a positive way when she's like, hey, you have to promise not to fall in love with me because mm-hmm. uh, wow, this shit's bananas. <laughs> I, I didn't see this one. Obviously, I had a different one. So yeah. That, yeah, she. Um, that's crazy. She kind of just appears and like talks to you generally about her, because she's actually at like the Shinra lab, so it's like you know what are you yeah. like a, a spectral or something like mm-hmm. that? But yeah, that's so so cool. One. Yeah, we had totally different experiences there. Then that that is very cool, you know, because Tifa it's just like oh she woke up in the middle of the night, I got to go talk to her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she like kind of just talks about how she's really concerned about everything and like I don't know how she's really worried and you comfort her in that moment. So it is totally different, and that is that is very cool. Yeah, I they it's such an interesting thing that like you can get any one of these three scenes, and the game like when you're playing it, it is hard to imagine the story without that scene with the particular character you got because it felt so like emotionally integral to what was happening. Um, and I I'm very impressed that they managed to build three of those that all worked in that same way. Yeah, I think it worked really well. Um, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that because that does sound very very good with. Eric. Oh yeah. Absolutely. But, I mean, of course you guys would choose Aerith. I mean, I'm going to stick with the girl I grew up with. I you know. didn't choose Aerith. The game made me because I loaded a save, and I'm like, well, I'll try Aerith this time because I want to see which one I save in the sewers. So I think, to be fair, I think I want to I did to all it. the side quests, though. Josh, did you do every single side quest I did well? do every single side quest. Wow, then maybe it does come down to did that you decision. Pick, did you pick Tifa when you woke up? I did. Yep, see? that's And, and that was my exact reasoning. I was like... She was my homie. She yeah. was my friend. So I'm gonna wake her up first, even though I like Aerith more. Like literally, I was like, I like Aerith more, but I gotta wake Tifa up. <laughs> well, yeah. you heard it here first, folks. The game has definitively decided that Duncan likes Aerith more than Tifa. There it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not possible. Um, so let's 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 keep moving on here because we yep. got a lot to talk yep. about. Uh, what's what's up next? Okay, so basically this whole section just opens up into you guessed it, more side quests, and Woo! it's the biggest chunk of side quests in this whole in the whole game. Let's kind of unfortunately, about... I don't know. It... Yeah, let's talk about these. Yeah, are, are there any ones that you guys want to do? Kind of highlight any ones that stuck out to you that felt worth it? I guess. <laughs> uh, not Listen. really. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, you find chocobos, you find music, you do a pull-up mini game which uh, was great which was great yeah it was very I mean, all cool fun. it's very cool that the world opened up in that way and allowed you to just like openly traverse between everywhere you've been i liked that but yeah i i kind of i walked away from this kind of being like well i didn't really need to do any of those like i think this is the side like has the side quest in it where you fight a tonberry like the little dude with yeah. the knife that was really fun. That's like a throwback. It's not even a throwback. Like, Tonberries are just a famous enemy that have been in pretty much every Final Fantasy game. Um, okay, yeah. So it was cool to see that kind of, like, brought to life in the remake. But I did like that. Even though you knew it by 
part one of all of the side quests, I really like the Angel of the Slum stuff. Yeah. And it didn't really wrap up in any way, but it was just like nice to to come back to that. And also satisfying. Tifa Tifa realized that that woman is the angel of the slums, and I'm like, where were you? (laughs) (laughs) Do you not pay attention to anything? We understood um, that immediately. Well, to be fair, she also wasn't there the second time. I think that was just Aerith that was on the sec in the second uh, yeah, quest line for it. That's true. But anyways, uh, there's also a weird scene where you go to a graveyard because some kids are missing and the kids are all ghosts. That was weird. Yeah, there's there a lot were of kid ghost ghosts. kids. A lot of a lot of kid ghosts in this game, and I don't really. I feel like they just wanted to reuse the ghost enemy. <laughs> exactly. I, right. I was like, they just, they just want to use it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hey, you know, who can blame them, honestly? I, I kind of like hunting down all of Corneo's stashes. I think that was kind of fun. Yeah, no, I that liked... was the most satisfying, satisfying part for me. I didn't mind hunting down Don Corneo's stashes, but the problem is you have to hunt down, I think, four of them, and three of them are just on the world map. And I found those three, and then I ran around for like an hour and a half oh, trying to yeah. find the fourth one, yep. which you have to continue with the story to do. But I like so I spent probably an hour doing it, but I was like a little bit high when I was doing that. So then I woke up the next day and I was like, <laughs> well, that whole hour was wasted. I was high. I probably just missed it. So then I ran around for <laughs> another fucking hour looking the places <laughs> I already looked. <laughs> Uh, yep, I, I guess I'm actually really glad you told me that because I, I was looking for it too for like a pretty long time, and then I asked you, and you're like, "Yeah, just keep going on." I was like, "Okay." Yeah, uh, I was I was afraid it would like hard gate you from being able to continue, uh, like go back and do more side quests if you went on. But I mean, and I how would I have lived thing. if I didn't find all the fucking music discs for the little girl so that somebody can do a four second jig <laughs> and then move on with their life? Exactly. But the old man's hip was cured after he did the jig. <laughs> um, I did the best thing was I got frustrated after five minutes, and then I Googled it. That is correct. Good job. You <laughs> wow. did, you did yeah, the, the right the way right the way developers intended. Yep. The way God made video games. Um, so, yeah, after you're you're done with that quest line, uh, you got to go to the sewers. You want to pick up there? Yeah, yeah. So, basically, we're just looking for more information uh, from on Don Corneo. Um we're looking to get to Shinra Tower eventually here, and we think he has more information. So we go to, of course, we go back to his house, and his house leads directly to the sewers. Leslie is there, which is like one of Don Corneo's uh, cronies, whatever you want to call him. He's like Apparently, one of his bodyguards. Leslie was introduced in one of the Final Fantasy VII like, side games or movies or something like that, which is why he has such a prominent role in this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, he does have that whole like sad kind of mini story where he talks about like his fiance. And the like, tropiest yeah. anime thing in the world, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, It's like the most tropey mafia and anime thing all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> the Don hurt his fiance just and not he's good. mad about it. It's yeah. just not good at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're back in the sewers with Leslie. We're getting through them because he can says he says he can actually get us to the surface, but he needs our help with something. So we're going there. Turns out he needs our help with this little side quest item, a necklace of his fiance. We find that, then he helps us up out of the sewers, and we're basically on our way to Shinra. He gives us uh, he gives us the ropes, right? The the rope guns. Oh yeah, he helps yeah. us rope. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he helps us yeah. shoot some rope. <laughs> you beat yeah. the shit out of Don Corneo, and then he's like, okay, cool. He's oh, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, I skipped a little part there. Don Corneo does end up, and this is this is actually a pretty big point, he does say that um, Shinra is planning on leaving Midgard to build a paradise. So, mm-hmm. 
That's pretty yeah. pretty big information drop there. Like, it is sort of. What are they gonna do? Like whatever, yeah. you fucking find it all out in an hour anyway. I don't know. This whole section was like right before this, with the plate falling, was such a high point. And then they're like, "Cool, now that you've done this super like emotional high energy thing, here's like five hours of fluff." And that was a little bit difficult. Go fight a bunch of rats and like blowfish <laughs> and just. Have fun with that for like five hours. Yeah. It, it is the most optional thing possible, but I know all of our goblin brains. I know if you're listening to this, you got a goblin brain too. You got to finish those side quests, right? Mm-hmm. You got to get the see, shinies. You know exactly how many there are. They show them to you. How are you not going to do it? Come on. Yeah. 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 And then, and then Barrett guilts you if you don't do all of them before you leave. Cause I didn't do one. I did almost all of them. I skipped one. And then Barrett's like, oh man. There's a lot of people out there who still need our help. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know, Barrett. Come on. Let's go. Let's rope to up. Be, to be fair, this was the section where you get to fight the behemoth if you go back underground. And that fight was cool as hell. That was a very good fight. I one-shot it. Oh, yeah. Me anyway. too. Yeah, you know, just throwing that out there. I just didn't what I did, I did a fight. Just one easy shot. One easy kill. <laughs> I didn't throw uh, the controller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like it's awful, but it's definitely like you can tell because you've played the first half of the game. This is just filler. And yeah. like you're just you're just getting through it to get to the story, which mm-hmm. is the bad part about it. Yeah, but yeah, we can continue on. Uh, basically, we're on our way up to Shinra Tower. Um, so that was chapter fourteen. On to chapter fifteen, and this whole section is basically just battle after battle after battle. Like you are just fighting your way up uh, to get to Shinra Tower initially. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and really, there's only like one moment that I can call out here. I, I guess two if you want to, you know, group in the boss battle at the end. Um, there's a moment where you're climbing up the tower and you turn around to see Sector 7. Uh, and, and really, it's just like, you talked about the visuals in this game. This is probably one of the best visual moments in the whole game. You turn around and see the destroyed city. And, uh, I mean, obviously, like, everybody's broken up about this. It's it's a terrible sight, but also, you know, it's, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. Uh, I, we've said it before. Every time something with, like, Sector 7 pops up and Barrett and Tifa have an interaction, it's always some of the best writing in the game. It's always really good stuff about, like, the cost of what they're doing and the emotional impact they're all feeling and how they can harness that. Uh, and this is this is another instance of that. But it's so, it's so short. It's so, like, all of this is just... All of Chapter 15, again, I replayed the original, like, the first half of the original not that long ago. All of Chapter 15 in the original game is literally just you climbing a wall. I don't even think there's, like... There's not even <laughs> fights during it. It's like a climbing mini game, and then you're wow. at the top. Jeez. I just wish I I liked this because I like this. Like, how do we actually get up there? Like, we can rope most of it, but not all of it. And I like this. Like, okay, we have to like actually climb up there and get up there. I like all that stuff, and I like that they expanded it. But it is just it is just mech fight after Drake fight after mech fight after Drake fight, <laughs> and it's yeah. just it's a little too much. They they extended it out a lot, and um. I think I will say mm -hmm. I think this would be it would be a lot more forgivable. And I I actually I like chapter 15. I don't want to like make it like just nothing happens in it. Uh, But I think it would it would felt a little bit better if it was much quicker. Like if I didn't just do five hours of side quests right before this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it is a good like into the belly of the beast moment where you're like, okay, like I'm literally the name of the next chapter. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Oh, it is. (laughs) It's like I was in the boardroom. I think I'm legally (laughs) obligated to let you know I own 1% of Final Fantasy VII Remake. (laughs) Oh, you'd be so fucking rich. 
Um, yeah, I think. Is there anything else you wanted to highlight about chapter fifteen, Josh? I feel like there's not much that happened. No, I mean, there's really not. I mean, there the, the boss fight is good. It's very cinematic. Uh, but I mean, that's pretty Which much one? all it is. Uh, you fight that flying <laughs> one of the mechs. One mech of the fucking seven hundred mech boss yeah, fights that you fight. F- flying tank thing that shoots electricity. You know the one. Yeah, that's like a mm-hmm. hundred of them. There's <laughs> <laughs> literally every other boss in this yeah. whole game. I yeah. mean, just like how it's breaking everything, you're falling down. I mean, it, it was cool. It was a cool. Yeah, fight. It's cool. It was a really but, cool fight. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I've got two things to say about this. I think it's the colors that they use in this are beautiful. It's like a this nice orange like sunset, and they really go for it. Like they really punch a lot of that that metal with like orange and it's like some of it's rusty and it's mm-hmm. it's got a really nice color palette overall um and um also there's a lot of tents like falling off of what is essentially like a 10,000 story building height <laughs> down into sector like whatever 7 I think and um all those moments were were tense for me cuz I'm terrified of heights so <laughs> hey I lived go. through that you were the target audience yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it worked for me. But they uh, they always shot their ropes and got got back on track. Um, all right, we're gonna move on. <clears throat> yep. This is what's wrong, Alex. <laughs> Nothing. I'm good. Keep going, please. Do you want to share it with the class? <laughs> oh, good. Is there I something really funny? I really don't. Hmm. What's that note? What's that crumpled piece of paper you got in your hand there? What is that? <laughs> I don't have anything. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Josh, did you see anything? Um, I thought he was hiding something. Yeah, I think I think he's passing notes back and forth. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Um, he doesn't want to share. Uh, so chapter sixteen is belly of the beast. This is like a huge chapter. Uh, you're breaking into Shinra. Uh, you know, you've you've arrived finally. Barrett wants to get uh, go in all gung ho. But uh, Cloud and Tifa sort of convince that it is time to sneak in because this is, like, the home of all of the guards and the bads. Uh, So they sneak in on a truck and uh, they make their way in after, you know, killing several guards and dogs because obviously Barrett would fall off of the truck, which Mm -hmm. was fun, a fun moment because he he sits on someone and I like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he lights his big big beautiful butt right on one of those guards now that was a hilarious moment because they're literally just on top of the truck and they're looking around the truck and can't see them <laughs> even though they're just these massive people on top of the truck yeah yeah they, they're like looking at the tires and looking under the truck and almost <laughs> Gotta I, be safe. I, I, I like the idea i would like i think what they did worked really well but i like the idea that the the guards are like Hmm, no resistance under here. <laughs> like <laughs> like what a hide and seek kid. Uh anyways, so moving past that, there's a lot of these like cuts over to the Shinra execs doing different things. Uh Scarlet's doing some weird experiment with uh materia and um it goes very very poorly. Alex, did this mean anything to you or was this just kind of like a fun Throw away. Uh, I mean, like a tiny bit more, but not. I mean, not not as not a ton. Do we really know anything about Scarlet except that she's just kind of like mean and awful? No, I and sexy. From my, from my remembering of the original, she'll continue to play a role throughout the parts and of the sexy. game. And so. sexy. I mean, oh yeah, like come <laughs> on, dude, come 
she ever fucking feet up on somebody who's just like, yep. oh god. Yeah, one of the guards like crawls behind her, which is it's amazing. real weird. <laughs> Big power move. Weird. Oh yeah, it, it's move. it's weird. Honestly, if I had that many people at my disposal, I'd have a Duncan, crawling don't footstool. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <He said. laughs> um, now we have to mark this podcast explicit. All right, go on. <laughs> uh, wouldn't be the first time. So um, <laughs> after you kind of like get into the actual building, you um, learn that you can't access the floor that Aerith is on because uh, you don't have the right access. Uh, so you get a base key card. Um, Tifa parkours her way into the receptionist desk. It was awesome. It was no, that not. was actually a terrible, terrible moment. It was way too slow, but again, <laughs> the so lobby slow. looks extremely good. It I want to so give cool. mad props for the lobby looking so cool, but you just like sidle around basically chandeliers <laughs> and you do it like eight times in a row and it takes like 15 seconds every time. And she falls and then you, off the first she time. Falls I off, know! And then you oh climb back gosh. up and like do monkey bars for 10 minutes. It's so bad. <laughs> I it's love how so she, bad. I love how she's this like she can uh, ambulate through like falling tower to falling tower that's like just been struck with a massive missile but she can't <laughs> jump from one chandelier to another it's ridiculous <laughs> like Tifa you have to do it and I'm just like okay I do remember at the beginning of the game when Cloud and Jesse were in the reactor and he like jumps 30 feet in the air <laughs> off of a falling piece of rubble I feel like he could probably handle this one yeah yeah she needs to do this one uh, it's it's um, bad. It's bad. Yeah. So, um, they get to the area in the Shinra Tower where it's sort of like a tourist area. Like, a take a take a um tour. Well, to be of... fair, first they have to go up by either taking the elevator oh. or the stairs. And I'm actually really interested to figure out which one you guys took. I took the stairs. I, I took the elevator. Okay. Oh! All right. All right. Now, I... okay, but I was spoiled on this moment. Like back when the game first came out, I was watching a stream and I saw this moment. So I already knew both options, so that's why I took the elevator. I mean, what I also took the, the elevator, elevator, but um there's a couple of fights um which is kind of whatever and there's, you know, you guys like surprise and vaguely threaten uh, an employee of Shinra who's just doing her job. But then there's another really good moment where Tifa reckons with the fact that what they're doing is putting a lot of people who just, like, work at Shinra and aren't necessarily bad people, like, they're putting them in danger, and then Barrett goes off on a, uh, like, a, a little soapbox about how people who are working for a company as evil as Shinra are complicit, even if they're not explicitly doing bad things, because they have to reckon with the fact that they're aiding this company in doing the evil that it does, is, like, extremely good, actually. Oh, it's so good. So talking about, did, are they allowed to talk about Amazon? Are they allowed <laughs> to talk about that? Yo, I... This game explicitly, I feel like, targets American capitalism. I feel like yeah. this game and the original Final Fantasy VII where, hey, like, hey, America's not doing great over there, huh? Um, I would love to put that quote on a sign and walk somewhere. <laughs> Just what? let people know. America's not doing great, huh? <laughs> Just like anybody who's working for a bad company is complicit, blah, blah. <laughs> Just, yeah. like, put that on a sign on a protest and walk around. I if you haven't, if you haven't seen that, you should go watch that scene, actually, Duncan, because it's extremely good. Yeah, it actually sounds way better than what I got because what I got was just <laughs> was just 
Barrett huffing and puffing up many, many, many stairs and complaining and then going insane halfway through. And then uh, Cloud also going a little bit nuts. And then they slow down to a walking mm-hmm. pace as you go up the <laughs> stairs. It was so infuriating. But, I thought uh, it was kind of funny, to be fair. I went back funny. and did it again. It, it's funny. It's just like, it's just, uh, yeah. it's a lot. Uh, it but, takes a long time. It, it takes a long time. But I kind of love it. I, I love that they're like, you know what? You know, we've made everything else so fast. And this is like the quote unquote safe way to go. And like, mm. you must pay the toll of the safe way. <laughs> um, they kept the most iconic scenes from the original Final Fantasy VII in choosing between the stairs and the elevator very good uh so you get the tour of uh you start to go through the tour of what is basically like an empty shinra floor like there's not like a lot of people here so you just kind of take this uh this electronically guided tour and uh you enter into like a planetarium room where there's like a little movie like a uh, it's sort of like a real life vr movie thing where uh, it flies them through a bunch of scenes uh, where they learn that there were ancients like thousands and thousands of years ago, and um, they learned to like transfer Mako into power and materia, and they're all like, you know, like these like uh, more like shamanistic or like druidic sort of like fantasy culture. Um, no like sci-fi big buildings here uh, from from this view, from Shinra's sort of view of it. And that there is this promised land that I'm not sure if it was stated that the ancients or whoever they're called were looking for it at the time or they just knew about it. Um, But a meteor had brought an end to them 2000 years ago. So uh, there there ain't there ain't as many of those anymore. Um, (laughs) Just one, maybe. I don't know. Literally just one. And it's there. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And uh, then they're kind of like, now Shinra is taking the the duty of harvesting those resources now. And, uh, the you know, they're sort of state that they're like, it's sort of a funny, like, maybe we'll find the ancients out there and they can really tell us where that sweet, sweet promised land is. And they <laughs> kind of show a like a shot of like Neo Midgar or what I think is like their like idea of a utopian like midgar society and Mm. um then cloud has a vision of like everyone dying and sephiroth is there and the whole city is on fire and burning and explosions uh and then it fades away uh and he's back this was a lot of information and i think they did it in a really really unique way because i feel like they could have had Aerith explain all of this yeah they absolutely could have, and it would have been a significantly worse game if they did that, I think. I think it's great because you can just watch this section entirely separated from the rest of the game. You know, like, you don't have to know anything about it. Like, if you want to just be like, ah, you know, maybe it'd be cool to learn something about Final Fantasy, I think you can just watch this cutscene, and you'd be like, oh, so that's kind of, I mean, like, it's not like you know what Final Fantasy is about, but you know sure. more about the world. Yeah. I, I think that's true. I think this was a really, really smart and well done and absolutely fucking gorgeous cutscene. Um, and I think it it added so much, like this whole tour section you go on adds so much needed context to the story in terms of like, okay, what is Shinra? What are they going for? Like the the section right before you get into this cutscene is like you 
learning about all of the different departments inside of Shinra and the heads of each of those departments, which, again, I think is really good. I think it would have been super helpful, like, 12 hours ago to make you care about some of these <laughs> characters. Um, who's, that, but it is, who's that squirrely one in the yellow suit? The one that sees Sephiroth or something like that later. The one that has no reason for existing? Yeah, the one who's like, mm, butter in my... Who puts butter in tea, by the way? What a sick freak. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. What is he uh, over? I think he was like the, like the space program that is basically defunded now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It's fucking, it's very weird. Um, so yeah, they, they introduced those those characters, and I think, I I was a huge fan of this entire tour that you took. I think it really tied together the story in a, a really interesting way, and although not a ton happens, it was incredibly engaging the whole time. So from here, you're continuing your tour, and uh, you, you get sort of someone that tells you that um, the mayor or someone important wants to speak with you. I don't remember exactly how you get guided into uh, this area, but the mayor, you can walk into the mayor's office who uh, essentially tells you that they are a part of Avalanche and they have been helping you get from floor to floor and not letting any of the alarms go off or any of the security really know what's going on, which helped me out a lot emotionally because... I was in a lot of distress that I'm like, you guys just killed like a hundred people before you walked into the front door. How is no one coming for you yet? But I think they, they, you know, it's not a perfect explanation, but at least they like tried to address it in in that way. Uh, so the mayor is a part of Avalanche. He's going to help you get to a particular floor. Not exactly the one you want to get on, but you, you're going to get close. Um, the way that you have to do this is you have to approach people. There's someone, there's a there's a hidden person in the cafe or the whatever lounge, and you have to say, the mayor, and if they respond, is the best, then you know who the man is. Um, what did you guys think about the mayor? Because I Johnny thought he was, was great. a fun guy. You know? He's just a fun guy. Yeah. I feel like he's like one of those characters where it's like, Hey, thanks for the help now. I really appreciate it, but like maybe you'll be important later. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really I enjoyed the mayor. I I enjoyed the whole mayor section because a it was like really funny. Like it was just a good it was a good chuckle from all the yeah, uh slightly more yeah. serious cutscene where everyone was dying. Um which is yeah. is a nice turn of pace. Uh, and- but also, I just I really like this game does this a lot, and they did it a little bit. I didn't mention it because I knew I'd talk about it here uh, at the beginning of chapter 16 where they like vaguely point to the politics that exist in this world, and I think those are really fascinating, and I want them to kind of lean into that more, right? The mayor talks like explicitly about like the reason he's a part of Avalanche is because he's angry that Shinra doesn't let him have any power, and he's like not even really a figurehead. He's just been so crushed by this like giant mega corporation. Um, and at the beginning of chapter 16, they talk a lot about uh, Shinra's, like, just kind of ambient dialogue as you're running. They talk a lot about the, like, existence of Wutai and the ceasefire agreement between Shinra and Wutai, this, like, other, you know, kind of country that they were at war with. And the way that, like, you know, a lot of this, uh, a lot of, like, what they're doing, Shinra talks about being kind of trying to use these like internal terrorist acts that they're committing and that avalanche is committing against them and blaming it on wutai and like potentially trying to spoke like a war between the two again i think they 
they point to a lot of this stuff that they don't necessarily follow through with in it, like in a major way at this point. But it gives me a lot of hope that there could be much more of like political maneuvering in the in the future games because I think that stuff is all extremely interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of yeah, I know. Like, like I said, I mean, I think he's going to be an important character later on. Um, and the reason, you know, is basically exactly what you said. You know, they're starting to delve into like more of fleshing out this world as like an actual place. Which, you know, definitely, I, I think it's super cool. Like, I want to know, like, things about this world. I want to feel like the world is a real place. And, yeah, it really yeah. It, it really destroys that feeling much later on, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, with the whole Kingdom Hearts part, but, you know, well, like, whatever. It's fine, we'll it's fine, it's fine. We'll get there. Yeah, um, but yeah the, the sort of swip swap of, like, the corporations are actually controlling the world was, like, a good, a really good theme. Uh, mm-hmm. because too real too real right now <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh. so yeah so you get to the um the next floor to the next floor and you um uh you get a cut scene of Aerith and Hojo talking and you, this is the first time we're meeting Hojo he is a um a scientist i guess i don't really know what his oh, like we're, ranking we're in the is vent, right mm mm-hmm. mhm we're in the vent. Well, this I think is, at this uh, point you actually do just get a cutaway scene. Like Cloud doesn't see this or anything, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, is he, what is this like? Is he just like a high-ranking scientist? Or yeah, like, he's like the, okay. the head scientist. Cool. And he's just uh, this guy's. This guy's fucking creepy. Like he, he is, is so, so weird. And I they, don't like him. <laughs> yeah, they really establish how weird he is because he's like talking to her and talking about like how like. Uh, genetically perfect her mother was and like her the down to the skin cell and stuff like that and he sort of is like you know we didn't just leave your mom to like rot and die in an alley like we we've got her and uh i don't know what their intention is i my 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 um perception of it was that like he was weirdly saying that she was still like alive in a way I think my read on it was not him saying that she's alive as much as, like, when she was dying, they extracted her into parts and are using those parts for things, but that she's Got not, it. like, a person still. Yeah, like, they have their D- have her DNA. Yeah. yeah. She exists um, in the technology they created with her, basically. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, they really establish how creepy he is because when he's talking about this, he, like, presses his face up to the glass and he just, like he like wiggles his whole body and his butt shakes and it's like the weirdest <laughs> thing ever like they really captured that uh, in a in a very unique bizarre way um yeah this 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 was uh, a good introduction to one of the antagonists for sure yeah i kind of i kind of think that's what they were trying to do with scarlet a little bit but like you know i think that this this scene was a little bit more effective because it was connected to you know our main character yeah, I I agree. If if this is what they were trying to do with Scarlet, they fucked up with Scarlet real bad. But they did great with Hojo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on, so we can like talk about this as a whole. <laughs> Ever get to the end of the podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a big section, dude. A huge section. Yeah. No, I'm not saying you're you're going <laughs> a perfect pace right now. It's just gonna be a long episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you were just talking, I looked at the rest of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I lost. <laughs> yeah. <We are> halfway <laughs> <I> through <laughs> page one of two. What's up? Uh, we're using Google Docs, by the way. 
and and Josh, you highlighting sections is not helpful for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I didn't yeah. want to say it. I was like, he really wants you to talk about two bullet points from now, and I don't know why. <laughs> I was doing it just absentmindedly. Right yeah, no problem. I do that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, so, uh, Cloud and Tifa drop in on a meeting where they ca- crawl through the air vents. Very classic. Um, where the whole committee is discussing you know dropping um uh uh uh, oh my god midgar thank you thank you myself uh and starting (laughs) neo midgar (laughs) (laughs) um and starting neo midgar a new beautiful paradise city we're gonna get rid of this old one i don't know where they want to build it i don't know if it's just going to be built on top of current midgar uh, but maybe they want to use the paradise it isn't super clear uh to me at least um i think maybe like they're gonna build it in the promised land yeah yeah um yeah that would make sense and then um uh, uh there's like a key there's a guy named reeves and he looks exactly like keanu reeves and he's just like (laughs) the only sane good person in the committee and he's like please like you don't know what you're doing to these people and you know president shinra is all you know the people will be thankful or something Mm -hmm. you know antagonistic or villainistic like that but uh Mm -hmm. yeah uh so then hojo reveals that he's having a hard time getting information out of Aerith about the promised land and is, uh, you know, some of them suggest physical torture, but he's going to try a much more psychological approach and he's going to make her fuck with a soldier. That's not um, psychological. That's not. (laughs) Yeah. Basically the, uh, the president says like, Hey, don't mess up like you did last time. And he's thinking about mitigating risks by having Aerith breed with a soldier. And they're like, he like rambles on about the possibilities of, you know, the, the results of that test. And it was super creepy in a really well done way. Doesn't he talk about having her potentially breed with non-human subjects or something like that? I don't remember. I don't remember if that happens there or if that's maybe in the original, but it's definitely brought up at one point, and it's very Mm. uncomfortable. Now, were you high when you witnessed this one? (laughs) Not this one. Okay. Now we got to ask every time. Yeah. (laughs) It was literally just that one section, I promise. (laughs) Okay, cool. Uh, So, yeah, uh, this is just a long, long section of Hojo. You get up to Hojo. And he keeps doing the thing where you're like, we've got you surrounded. And he's like, no, no, no. And then he runs away and then he closes the door behind him. And then you have to fight a bunch of monsters. This happens a lot. And um, then you get introduced to this beautiful red cat uh, who's got like cool earrings and looks like a like a Lion King OC. And um, Aerith pats him on the head. And he's cool now, and he can talk. And you know he's gonna talk. Red thirteen, mm-hmm. huh? You know he can talk. You oh, look at yeah. that guy for two seconds; he's talking. Oh yeah, yeah. there's no way he's not talking. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, we get some. We don't get a ton of red thirteen stuff around here, but like, how do we feel about red thirteen? Uh, I mean, he feels really. Er, he looks really cool. That's for sure. <laughs> he feels cool. Soft. I pet him once, very and like he is very soft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, strongly, uh, strongly in favor of Red Thirteen. Love Red Thirteen. Yeah, yeah I mean, he seems like he's a, a very smart boy. 
the gum. <laughs> Red 13. <laughs> he's a smart boy. Hmm. He's, hmm. A, he's a smart boy. He's a smart, beautiful boy. Um, I mean, really, we don't guys, get a lot of him. He's just like kind of a... He's not even a real party member for the whole game. He's just there. He, I mean, he's, he's not a real out. party member yeah, ever. But he, you yeah. know, he has a lot of information that he ends up bringing to the table, and he seems very worldly and wise, and also just has killer design, which I love quite a bit, and the time when you're introduced to him, it plays in the background a very short rendition of my favorite track from the original Final Fantasy VII, so I like that quite a bit, too. The voice actor that they use for him is beautiful. He's a a very smooth-talking person. Like Mm -hmm. I would love for him to read an audiobook to me. Personally, um, personally, I think you just Discord. want him to like just give you a phone call and just talk you to sleep every night. That would be beautiful. Um, so this is the end of this chapter. Uh, Cloud is approaching a elevator, and he starts getting his glitchy migraines again uh, whenever Sephiroth is near, and um, you kind of like are having a really hard time. You're struggling getting to this elevator. And when you finally get there, you collapse and have a vision of, like, this, this like, heart-looking thing that's connected to a bunch of valves. And uh, Cloud says, Mother. Ooh. Which I know mm-hmm. is Genova after playing more. Which I don't know <laughs> what Genova is, but... Ooh, but, spooky. Yes. <laughs> This, yeah. We are now entering the period of time where Cloud will have a glitchy headache every thirty minutes until the game is over. Yeah, so I won't. I won't be bringing yeah. them up now. <laughs> that and the period of time where both Duncan and I probably don't understand anything. Yeah, yeah. I think is, from yeah. the so the next little bit just fills in some some gaps, and then after that, it's completely stuff that I think they maybe don't one hundred percent nail if you haven't played the original. But I'm still excited to talk about it all. So this is where I was still warm on the game. I was still pretty, like, good and happy with how it was going. And I, I think that really is it. Because I'm now that I'm talking about it and thinking about it, I'm like, I was really happy with all of these things. And how did I leave neg- feeling negative on, like, the ending and stuff like that? And I think this was definitely, like, the turning point or pretty close to it. Yeah, that's um, fair. Is there anything we want to talk about before I go? I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> Well, you've been talking about chapter 16, which is, I think, the meatiest chapter of this whole episode by a wide margin. So I don't think it's wrong that that you talked a lot. But I think, uh, Josh, unless there's anything else you want to say about this chapter, I think the next two will also have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, no, I think I'll just, like, actually relay Duncan's sentiment there because... The game starts to feel long at this point. I feel especially with chapter 17 kind of being a, I don't want to call it a filler chapter, but it's just a chapter where I feel like you're doing a lot of, uh, oh yeah, uh, a lot of stuff that feels kind of pointless. I don't know. Like you're just trying to get to the next area. Yeah, I I will say. I I would agree that it is kind of a turning point for sure. I think chapter 16 is arguably one of the best chapters in the game. Um so I, I, I understand that being kind of the, the downturn. Um, and also, when I played through this game, I played like 45 minutes of the next chapter and then took a break and then played the rest of the game. And I think that was the <laughs> way to do it because, yeah, it definitely does start off with some kind of... A filler is maybe the wrong word because I think they still do interesting stuff. But yeah, we'll, we'll get there. It's not yep. as engaging as the beginning of Chapter 16 was. Hojo also has some really amazing, like, disgusting beasts. Like, you fight like a... Uh, uh, 
a Cthulhu looking. I hate using that as a descriptor because it's just so <laughs> many things now. But I, mm-hmm. I, it's really like that, and it was a really fun fight. Uh, I like all the creature fights. They're they're always kind of cool. So that Except was a really for the fun giant one. swordfish that's coming up. It sucks shit. We'll that's talk. a mech. That's a <laughs> no. That's a I mech. love this thing. I love this thing. I want that's to talk a mech. Uh, yeah. Duncan, right, so, do you want to start talking about chapter seventeen? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. So after Cloud has his glitchy headache about Sephiroth or whatever or Genova, uh, he wakes up. And I know some some He's Final Fantasy Stop Seven highlighting some, some Final Fantasy Seven was shaking with rage when I was like I don't know when he thinks of Genova or some Sephiroth <laughs> shit fucking hands clenched and shaking like you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, anyway, so you wake up in Aerith's old like room or what I like to call it her old cell where yeah. she used <laughs> to spend time with her mother and um, she would be taken away from her at times and she's like drawn on the wall and like has this like large mosaic of everything and you've just woken up from a long rest and it kind of feels like i didn't know how many chapters there were or like how much it was left but i felt like this was somehow gonna be like this felt like the right place to be like okay when you leave this door this is the final showdown. This is the end because it's very like all of your friends are there. You can kind of talk to them all a little bit. They reveal a lot of things, but um, that was no. not the case. You um, are you're you're definitely right with that exact feeling though, because I like walked out of this room and then texted my brother to be like, "This is where I'm at. How much do I have left?" Because it feels like I maybe only have 45 minutes and I can push yeah. through this for sure. And he's like, "No, you got like two and a half hours left." It's like, "Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Fuck that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A lot of game, a lot of game in between that. So they, uh, Red brings up something that I think I understand, but not entirely. Okay. Hell yeah, let's do it. Uh, so these shadowy figures that we've been seeing, that if you're just joining with us now, there's been shadowy figures whenever, like, people are about to die or, like, people are doing a specific thing. It usually has to do with death or something surrounding someone doing an act that is dangerous or could defy something. Uh, So Red talks about how these shadowy figures are whispers, and these whispers are being drawn to those who attempt to alter Destiny's course and ensure they do not. That is a direct quote because I needed it real bad. (laughs) Um, So uh, they discuss, like, uh, Tifa brings up, uh, like, or uh, kind of brings the fact that he talks about destiny. And she says destiny with a capital D. So destiny is some being or deity or something, maybe. No, weirdly Um, enough, in that that one, she's actually talking about Bungie's first-person shooter, Destiny. It's sort of like a cross-promotional thing in that particular Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, okay. That recontextualizes everything. (laughs) Does it make you enjoy the game a lot more now, knowing that Tifa's way (laughs) into first-person shooters? (laughs) She loves just... I mean, it makes sense, because... Destiny has large health pools. This game has large health pools. They both talk to anybody who doesn't have a high light level. That's right, dude. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this fits um, in too well. So, so Destiny with a capital D, and it's it that it's a river that determines fate. So if you go off of that that path that Destiny has, these whispers are there to defend and make sure that you stay on the path of Destiny. Now, this is a new thing, right, Alex? Yes. So 
how did you feel and how maybe we'll start with josh here how did you feel the this information recontextualized things did you understand it how do you feel about this this reveal and did i miss uh, anything I would say that I definitely understood it more later, um, but definitely like after the end of the game, I could see the moments earlier on that made more sense. Kind of how, um, let's see, what's her name again? I can't think of her name right now. But the, Jesse, uh, Jesse, that's right. Where Jesse uh, sprains her ankle and forces you to go help them out, like that moment right there. All these moments made more sense when it was destiny, you know, in quotes, destiny uh, pushing them along. I think it's definitely really cool. I like it. It makes me hope that maybe at one point, you know, in the second or third game, however many games they have here, that you can defy these things at some point. But uh, I think it's cool. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll talk. Uh, Duncan, actually, you talk next because I've played it, so I'm going to have the different opinion. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, I agree with Josh on most, pretty much all of those points where it's like, I and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe much, much, much early on in the game, something is about to explode or something is awful is about to happen. And it's like one of the first times you see them and they stop you from doing the thing that you were supposed to do or wanted to do. And then you're late for it. Am I right on that? I, I swear. Mm. I feel like that happened at some point. Um, but I don't remember. I mean, they st- I don't remember anything like they stop you from disarming the plate from falling. Yeah, I think maybe that's what I was thinking of. Just kind of, I don't know. But anyways, stuff like that was kind of cool to think about and like uh, to look back on scenes and then think about every time the whispers have shown up and what destiny that this quote unquote, like this being or river whatever wanted for the world or to happen Mm -hmm. in a way and who's maybe controlling it or anything like that makes it so it's much more it's very anime in a way to be like i have this like they've anytime a character is like no it's my right to do this and i'm not going to go back and i don't care what you say about what i am and am not supposed to do it's a physical manifestation of that and i think yeah. that's kind of cool in a very anime kingdom hearts way it's, it's extremely so anime. kingdom hearts it's like at some point cloud is gonna you know level up his buster sword enough to slash through one of those things <laughs> so Yes and no, I think, when you say it's, like, very anime and it's very Kingdom Hearts. And the reason um, I I will say that, so, like, I liked this whole thing quite a bit. um, And also, like, kind of guessed it. And I think you were able to kind of guess it if you'd played the original. Um, And the reason being, like, yes, when you talk about, like, this capital D Destiny being, like, this idea of this entity or being that is, like, pushing things in the direction they want. But, like, these are straight up 100% like meta contextual beings right like every time they show up it is to ensure that what happens is what happened in the original Final Fantasy 7 like they initially show up when Cloud is talking to Aerith because Cloud and Aerith are talking for too long and they don't talk for that long in the original game like they show up to stop you from stopping the plate from dropping because the plate drops in the original game like they show Whoa. up to make things happen that are supposed to happen. Like, again, like Josh was saying, they 
like they show up and make sure that Jesse sprains her ankle because she was going to go on the second reactor job instead of you. And with her being injured, you're forced to go and you're supposed to go on that second reactor what? job. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. So like it is a, these are straight up like meta contextual beings that are like the hand of the developers in a sense, forcing the pieces where they want to go, which is what I think makes the end of this game work so well for me. They just take their hoods off and it's literally the developers. <laughs> that would be the most... That would be so fucking awesome, dude. That'd be so... Uh, dude, if you know anything about what I like in games, you know I'd love that shit. Uh, yeah. uh, and I think because they do that, like because they do that, but they weave it into the story in a way that works, I think it's really, really cool. Like I think if they didn't do that, it would be kind of lame. Um, but I think the fact that they they weave it in in a way that works makes it really, really interesting. And, like, you know, later on we'll see some stuff with Wedge, and, like, Wedge is one of these characters that is constantly at odds with these things, and Wedge is also the character that deviates the most from his character in the original. That is so fucking cool, man. Right? It's mm-hmm. fucking cool as hell. That's really cool. I didn't know that. That's such a... Did you come to this on your own, or did you, like, read about it? Or When they, when they talk about them being like people that control destiny it like it all sort of clicked but again it was like they show up at such pivotal moments and it's always when you are about to do something that is distinctly very different that like i didn't catch all of them initially but i caught enough of them to understand it and then just read or listened to other people talk about small instances that i missed Hmm. josh did you did you think of that at all or is this kind of like a big big brain shit for you too i would say it connected with me um Later with Barrett is where it really clicked. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. But mm-hmm. at that moment, I was like, oh, okay, that's what these are. Like, oh, for sure. You got such a big brain, dude. All right. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> um, okay. So now that we got that out of the way, that's big. That's big stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, it completely changes what the ending is. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, basically, Aerith um, also says that there's like a much bigger enemy and. She wants to tell them about it, but again, those ghosts begin, or the the uh, whispers, whispers, right? Yeah, whispers yeah. begin to you know circle around her, and she's like, "I feel like I'm lost in a maze, and I can't, you know, I can't figure it out." And then she tells them to follow the yellow flowers, um, which I don't know what that means, but it's something. Um, I- yeah, it makes two of us. That's just for the rest of the game. I don't know what it means, but it's something. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> um, so then Wedge and the mayor hack the TVs, and they're doing their <laughs> thing. And I love about six more minutes of them just in that room trying to get the TV set up and the hack to work. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch them do that. Oh, um, God, that'd be great. But they don't. So um, they say that they that Wedge has asked super 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 duper nicely for avalanche to come rescue them um on a helicopter and uh, that they need to get to the roof as soon as possible and the mayor has set up like a route for them to go so they can get up to the roof as soon as possible and uh leave this place so that is up to the point i feel like I understood. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass I'm gonna pass this torch. I'm gonna popcorn Alex here, and uh, he can take it from here. Yeah. Is there anything else we wanted to say about that section, Josh Duncan? Anything? Um, 
if the, the only thing no, that like fine. was made super clear was that uh Aerith is definitely one of the agents like she just comes out and tells you oh yeah, yeah. Like, she also explicitly yeah. talks about how like Yes, her mom was an ancient, but also, like, she's not fully an ancient, and she doesn't have any fucking clue how to get to the promised land like they want her to do, so she's the sort of... like that. Yeah, I, I like her sort <laughs> of giving up the idea of, like, look, I know more than I'm letting on, but I don't really know what I know at the same time. And I want to know what cool. she was talking about at the beginning, where she's like, I have... She, like, looks at her head, and she says, like, I have this ability or something like that, and then she says, but I don't know how to use it. Like, tell Kinesis, dude. She it, can do telekinesis. It's something. I, I don't know. It's, um, I want to know what that is. It's 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 peeling bananas with her feet. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Oh she doesn't know God. how to use that power. Yeah, the she most does specific that power. fetish Duncan has. <laughs> <She just laughs> no. Blasted no. Out to the whole no. World. It was just the first Open thing I Open incognito about. tab. Search. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if I search, I will, give, I will PayPal you either of you $5. I'll PayPal you both $5 if I can... If I can open an incognito tab and find a picture of Aerith opening up a banana with her feet, you could. I'm sure you could do that. You can I'm try. Not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. We have to move on. Um, so I'm. Gonna I didn't take find over. it. I didn't find it. By the way, I you looked. I didn't hard find enough. it. Um. So we uh, let's move on here. I'm disclaimer gonna gloss over some parts of this to talk about maybe some more impactful parts and also i played this like two and a half months ago at this point so if i get something wrong or skip over something just feel free to jump in and yell at me and we'll uh, we'll talk about it more so you um feet. <laughs> <laughs> no sorry go ahead duncan's gone he's lost for the rest of the episode <laughs> he's not gonna be back on the podcast <laughs> huh? um okay so you uh you you as a party leave and kind of Head towards an elevator, which brings you through one of the these major areas where Hojo is running his experiments, where you kind of are above this giant drum filled with a bunch of test tube type things, um, like life size, like human sized test tube type things. Uh, and as you are crossing it, you Cloud uh, gets a like a vision. I don't think it's a vision. I think it like actually sees Sephiroth because I think other people react to it too, um, and kind of has one of his like weird headaches, and then goes to like fucking full-on mad mode just jump and try to cut Sephiroth in half which I respect that he's just like going for it um but that results in Sephiroth kind of destroying the bridge that everybody is on and stranding them in this giant drum filled with Hojo's experiments beneath which then cues like a really long portion of the game where you're just fighting enemies in essentially a bunch of different like hallways that lead to combat encounters which kind of sucks but is also sort of interesting um for science yeah, it's For just data. like Hojo Hojo is basically stringing you along saying like, hey, I need you to test out all these experiments for me and also is your only way out so you have no choice but to fight them. This whole section was too long um, by like 80%, but I will say what it does is like in kind of clever ways continues to split up your party and force you into combinations of party members that you probably wouldn't normally use. And I think that was kind of fun to be like, okay, well, like, now I'm fighting a mini boss with Tifa and Aerith, which is a team I never would have used before. And like I think that is kind of that that was engaging enough that it didn't feel terrible to go through this section. But oh, even yeah. then it was it was way too long. Oh yeah, for sure. It was too long, but yeah, I agree for sure. Like especially at the end where you're finding that final thing and 
uh, Cloud and Barret are fighting it, and then it like slithers off, and all of a sudden you're playing as Tifa and Aerith, and you're fighting it. I thought that was an amazing moment. Yeah, it's all. It's not that final thing. It's a giant flat fish that is also covered in saws. It's dumb yeah, it's a sawfish. I hate it. It's so a saw much. centipede fish looking thing. And they really, oh. they, they really want you to play those ranged characters because any melee character approaches it and immediately just it just gets knocked back and hurt. Yep, yep. it's no good <laughs> at all. Uh, I actually died on that fight on the second half of it. That that sucks. Um, I will say. To the game's credit for checkpointing, in this one particular instance, when you die fighting that sawfish, it just straight up gives you an option of like, do you just want to respawn in the second half of that fight again? Wow. And that was really? very nice of it to do. Really? That's messed up. It yeah. cares so at, much at about that Chapter 17, scene. it's really good at checkpointing. Maybe maybe it's like, we know this shit sucks. Just, just. <laughs> <laughs> you died because you, you had a tiny space to dodge, and the idiot character you weren't controlling just kept walking in circles, right? It's okay. We get it. We get it. <laughs> um, so that was bad. But eventually, you do get out of there um, and go up an elevator and finally make it to where President Shinro was, which is kind of the level of the building where the helipad is and also again where president shinra is um where you you know you guys have a a fun scene where you show up and he's kind of like the the president is already not in his room and is like hanging off the edge of the building begging for someone to come help him uh and you get like a really good scene there where barrett picks him up and like threatens him a whole bunch and like throws him up and catches him like holding him over the edge uh and then eventually like walks him back into his his office and tries to, you know, talk to him about Avalanche and threaten him and everything. And then the president just pulls, like, fucking golden gun on him and <laughs> tries to, like... One-shots him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the impression is that would definitely be a one-shot kill for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not 100% sure why, but I also really like the scene because uh, Barrett's demands are very, like, centered around the image of Avalanche. And a mm-hmm. point that actually the president makes, like, it's like, oh, that's kind of a good point. Because he's like, I want you to go on TV and say that Avalanche didn't blow up any of those things. And that, you know, like, clear our name, basically. And um, that you, you know, you did this and you did that and everything like that. Which I think is a reasonable demand. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, um, conflict there. Yeah. Yeah. Um- and that remains to be an interesting conflict until eventually, uh, and this one, I get kind of confused on the order of operations here, but Sephiroth basically just shows up and stabs the president in the middle of this conversation, right? Uh, and then, like, a small discussion ensues, and then Sephiroth just, like, up and stabs Barrett too? Which, that was very surprising to me, because Sephiroth does not up and stab Barrett in the original game. That doesn't happen. Like, Sephiroth is not at this... He's not here in the original game. You show up and he had just already killed the president and isn't there. And the only reason you know Sephiroth was there is because he left a giant fucking sword in him. Um, So this entire thing had an extremely different tone. Uh, And then you... This it gets weird and drug trippy when you yeah. end up fighting Genova Dreamweaver, which is like the super cool Genova boss, which like dissolves the world around you, and then you end up fighting it in an arena where it doesn't actually exist. But also, it's like a really fucking cool boss fight. Like, I I loved this boss fight. I think this was actually my favorite boss fight in the entire game. Yeah. Um, I think the music slaps. I think the environment's really cool. It's like a a fun three um 
like form boss fight. Uh, it's got like a bunch of tentacles that pop up all over the place, which actually felt really cool because it made Cloud's triple slash ability really awesome because yeah, you would dash yeah. across the entire arena. Um, so that was, I, I don't know. I, I really liked this fight and this whole scene and everything like that. Um, but then you win the fight and like shortly after winning the fight, like those whispers show up and the Sephiroth that you were fighting is like, revealed to not be Sephiroth, and it's just like a hooded figure, and then also the whispers just bring Barrett back to life. Yep, and that's um, where I knew. That's where yeah, I knew what so that, that was definitely the moment where it was like, okay, they're doing some stuff, and also a very good moment, because I would have been incredibly mad if they did Barrett dirty like that. I, there was no way he was going to die. Yeah. I mean, he has, he has main character armor. Like, there's no way that they would kill him off there. Yeah, I, I would have been... I would have been so fucking mad. He was so good for the second half of this game. I would have been furious if they killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cloud then, you know, they all kind of give Cloud their blessing to go chase down Sephiroth and, like, go get your man sort of thing. And Cloud runs, and then, again, the the Sephiroth that he was chasing is kind of, like, teleporting around, turns into, like, a hooded figure and falls off the top of the Shinra building. Um, and a way that is weird and hard to talk about. Um and then the escape helicopter that Wedge promised you shows up, and you all get to go, huzzah, we're finally going to get out of here. And the escape helicopter just gets fucking blown up. <laughs> By the Turks. Hell. The, the Turks. Turks show up and just absolutely ruin your escape plan. Um, uh, and bring with them Rufus Shinra, who was the son of President Shinra, which makes Rufus the new president of Shinra. Just um, another spiky-haired boy. Another spiky-haired boy with kind of like a long half skirt that's like pleated in a way it's it's, it's like ex- a trench coat he's it's a like very a tr- he's a very final fantasy 9 character if i remember the the way that those character looked characters looked i think he looks more final fantasy 8 i think but wait okay. this is wait no it is eight. it is 8 that's what he I meant. looks uh, he looks a yeah, lot yeah, yeah, like a eight. character from final you fantasy can't start <laughs> doesn't comparing he look like eight and uh, nine? the main like the main guy that the main character doesn't like very much yeah, Cypher. That's his yeah, name. he looks um, like Cypher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. He does. Sorry, uh, sorry, I, Josh. <laughs> that was nothing to people who haven't played okay? Final Fantasy IX it's, and eight. But it just sounds ridiculous to say he's more like eight or nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's fifteen. He's a They've 15 got very different designs. Okay, <laughs> I give um, him an eight out of Final Fantasy fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I I really liked this confrontation and fight with with Rufus. Did you guys get much of a feel for for Rufus Shinra at this point? Like, did you enjoy that fight? Did you? like his introduction because he becomes kind of like a an important character going forward in the story. Uh I mean he seemed like a bad dude. I, I didn't really think the fight was all that great because it was just like it took forever and it was like I'm gonna slash him three times and then block and then slash him three times and then block. But I mean I had to seem learn, like an interesting guy. There's a way to interrupt his attacks rather than like d- wait till he's reloading. Cause it took me a while to learn that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you after can, you that, can, it was like, interrupt- way easier. You can yeah, interrupt you- when he does the electricity one that surrounds him, right? I, I interrupted think- him during a couple of them. Okay. You can Maybe also I use it around. You, if you picked up the, there's like a sword that gives you an like an ability where you use it, and just if you are hit in the next quarter second, you do an automatic counter, uh, oh. and you can use that ability when he is like hitting you to do some cool counter stuff. That's I cool. I just I really enjoyed the fight because it felt really. I, I don't know. Something about it felt like very personal in a way that a lot of the fights don't. Um, but, again, I felt the same way with the um, fight with 
Rufus, the the first, or yeah, Reno Rufus, Rufus, the first Turk um, that you fight, where it's just a lot of like getting in and countering Reno. Maybe which one is yeah, it, Colby? Do you remember? You said Josh? Rufus was the son of Shira. It's, it's Reno, Reno, and Rude yeah, oh yeah, Reno and Rude. Guy. You're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Um, yeah. My bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like it's just a lot of counter timing, and I really like that because it forces you to actually engage with like the intricacies of the combat system in a way that a lot of the other fights don't necessarily force you to do. But I um, don't like that because they don't really tell you. Not really tell you. They don't have that often enough for me to feel like I needed to know how to do that. You know what I mean? Like it took me two tries to understand, like not two tries, like I died, but like three, two or three, like times where I'm like, okay, I've just been mercilessly hit over and over again. And I've healed so many times. Cause I was trying to just hit him when he was reloading, but yeah. I don't know. I guess I just didn't really, maybe I'm just a subpar gamer, but uh well, I mean, it was a hard one It was a difficult yeah. fight. Like, it was for sure a difficult fight. And I think it was interesting because I walked away from that fight particularly feeling like I was better at the game. Like, I understood yeah. the combat mechanics yeah. better. Also, he flips a coin in the air and shoots it with a shotgun and it yeah. shoots lasers. And that's very cool. Yeah, it's it pretty cool. cool. <laughs> so I got I to gotta give credit where credit's due there. Also, uh, I just, I think that it felt weird. It did feel personal. But I'm not sure why Cloud was so adamant to be like, no, I'll fight this one. This one's all me, other than just an excuse to have like another duel sort of sort of fight. There's a lot of stuff like that in this where yeah. they switch out parties in weird times to to satisfy certain gameplay elements, which doesn't bother me that much. But sometimes it just feels so ham-fisted that I'm like, okay, you just want me to have a cool duel. I get it. Yeah. It's like, I, do they really need to all run away? Did you need to split up in this moment? Not really. But it's. Okay. I mean, again, it's interesting because they all run away and then Tifa's like, oh, actually, I'm not going to run away. Uh, and, and I don't know how much of that is them wanting to really lean into it. How much of it is like, oh, well that's how the original one went. So we got to make sure these fights line up one-to-one and how much of it was like, they just, you know, they actually thought it was an interesting story beats to do that, even though they didn't make a lot of sense. Um, He he also did feel to kind of just come out of nowhere in a cool way. Like I didn't mind him, but it, it, I didn't feel like the, like the, like true dislike for him. He just kind of showed up and I'm like, Oh, uh, you're just another, just another bad dude to fight. Yeah. But I will also say there's an element of like, at this point in the game, I was kind of like, I just want to get to the end. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I just want to see what happens at the end here. And the game kind of just felt like it went on a little bit too long. There are so the, I felt that moment, too, during that fight, but especially during the next one. Yeah. Alex, speaking, Alex, speaking of the Alex, next one. Alex, that's a transition to you. It was the, a beautiful throw. It was a great throw court. until you ruined it. It was a beautiful throw. It's a passing <laughs> Um, so speaking of the next one, Barrett and Aerith are taking an elevator downstairs. Um, again, Tifa runs back up to help Cloud for some reason, and they are ambushed by another giant four-wheeled electricity mech with giant guns, um, that you fight in a, a big arena with a bunch of pillars to hide behind. Um, there's not a whole lot of story stuff that goes on during this fight. It's just kind of like a cool as hell fight with the giant mech again, which is a lot of the second half of this game. Yeah, that I fight really did do it, nothing, huh? You just kind of fought a mech. I thought yeah. they'd like have more fun, like banter between uh, 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 Barrett and and uh, Aerith. 
because I'm like, these two are never together. Like, what do they have to talk about? But they kind of have a lot of stuff in common. They're like both kind of like planet lovers. They both love the planet. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, they, they didn't have much to talk about or much to say to each other. It's kind of like when you, you when you know someone, you know what I mean? And like mm. you're you're in the same you got to work with them. They're in the same room. That you don't know what to talk about. Is this anything? <laughs> You're just saying help, that, like weird help, coworkers. Help! Help! help. <laughs> I'm yeah, tapping yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really just, just feel like Barry and Aerith are just like you know they just they both work an office job. They both just want it to be the weekend. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, this fight slapped. This fight was ac- extremely cool, and I won't hear anything to the contrary. Um, no, it was fun for sure. Yeah. I think this is better than both. Uh, I don't know. It's, I almost said this is better than both like the duels you kind of have right around here, but I, I don't know. It it is very good. Yeah. So you you go through that fight, um, and eventually you end up in the scenario through a couple of people get you know fighting and catching and falling and all that good stuff, um, where Shinra shows up and is surrounding everybody except for Cloud, who is are all like you know waiting to try and get out and red 13 is talking about sacrificing himself and Aerith is talking about sac everybody's like i'm gonna sacrifice myself so that things can happen and we'll be good um but they don't need to because at the exact moment when everybody's about to sacrifice themselves and the like 85 shinra guards with guns pointed at them are about to pull the trigger cloud comes bursting out from above them on a fucking motorcycle and <laughs> spends like 45 seconds <laughs> driving around and cutting people in half and hitting them with the motorcycle at no point during which does anybody from shinra shoot their gun at the people they had surrounded Mm-mm. that they were about to kill you know i kept waiting uh, because i remember you saying this game just goes for it at the end and this was the moment i was like this is what it's going for <laughs> Cloud is just hitting people on a motorcycle. This is so dumb. Over and over and over. I fucking loved it. It was so good. Uh, and so Cloud, you know, kills everybody there. Tifa shows up with like a weirdly old-looking truck, uh, and everybody get, piles into the back of it, and you all drive away from Midgar, and it's great, and it's perfect, and it should be the end of the game, and it's a happy sunset, and to be continued. I thought uh, but that none was of that a happens. reference or something like that. That old car was like a weird reference to something in the old game, but... I mean, that car is in the old game. Like, I see. It's just... Uh, but it looked weirdly old in that game, too, so... I don't it. know. Got it. Um, But yeah, then what ensues after that is a chase from Shinra after you on the motorcycle and in the car that is extremely way too long again. um, it's The motorcycle battle is fun, but this was like a 25-minute motorcycle battle, and I think I died to this boss on the motorcycle two times, and yeah. it fucking sucks. It's not fun to fight. So that was, um, you know, it's I fine. I kind of liked it's... weaving back and forth between it, but it took... Its HP pool is so massive, and then I hate, I hate it when these games where they're like, we can't hit it right now, but in a second we can, and you have to just sit there and yep. watch it do its extremely cool animation while your bike slows down for no reason. Um, yeah, it just kills the pacing, and they do that a lot. In, uh, yeah, in in this game. By the way, I just kind of wanted to. Th- this doesn't feel like I could have put it anywhere here. Yeah, but go when for we're it. talking about all these bosses and stuff like that, I was curious. Well, while you're doing a little bit of your summary, I wanted to count the bosses between this part of the game and everything before it. How many bosses do you think are in this section from chapter 14 
to 18. Do you, you have, have like an actual count? I have an yeah. actual number. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Um, I of feel like both. I don't want to count it. I don't want to count it out. I want to go by feeling. Are you? Mm, I'm going to say seven. Seven bosses in this section. Okay. Josh, seven, chapter Final 14 Fantasy through seven. chapter 18. Yes. Seven? That okay. already seems like a pretty big number, but hmm. I'll, but I'll go nine. Right. I'll go nine. Hmm. Josh, you are closer. There are 12 bosses that can't oh. be true that's all right. true do you want me to read them all <laughs> yeah let's hear them all right all right <clears throat> this is great content by the way also there are nine before it that nine. also can't be true okay all right i'm gonna read it from the top here all right we're gonna start from the top it's very tippy top we'll cut this out if it's not interesting hold on sorry this ign article isn't loaded I'm, very well also i'm assuming <laughs> we are not maybe the reason it feels False is because I'm assuming you're not counting all the optional bosses, like all the summons you fight and everything like that. No, I'm not counting that. So in okay. the first half, that before our before this episode, there's the scorpion, the Roche motor, the Roche boss where you duel yep. Roche, mm-hmm. uh, the crab warden, the airbuster, mm-hmm. a fight with Reno and a fight with Rude. We're at six. The Hell House. That's seven. Good Abzu fight. is eight. Ghost, ghoul boss, the, the ghoul on the wheels. That's nine. Oh, yeah. Um. So that's it for up to chapter four. Okay, there's actually no, ten. No, no, no. Because there's you more, beat Reno and Rude. And then that's yeah. it. That's it. And there's, okay. there's, so there's two, there's two bosses, though, for the, there's two ghost bosses, I thought. So there's no. like a chariot and oh. there's like a weird one that controlled the room. I guess you're right. Okay. So it's that's 11. 11. 11. Okay. But <laughs> in this half of the game, we won't count the failed experiment, okay? I, I won't count that. Because that's the optional one. And okay. the behemoth. We could not count both of those. Okay. That would bring us down to 10. So there's Abzu, the Valkyrie, which is the flying mech, Specimen mm. H0512, which is the Cthulhu, Sortipede, Genova Dreamweaver. Is it really Sortipede? That's what it says. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Rufus and Darkstar. <laughs> The Arsenal, the Motorball Boss, Whisper Harbinger, that's at nine, Sephiroth. Okay, I miscounted. Maybe, oh, uh, no, I didn't miscount because I was counting yeah, the optional. Just, so that would be yeah. 10. And if you wanted to count the optional 12, that's insane. Well, it's, you know, it was a, it's the end of the game. It was boss heavy. It's too much. It's so I, many bosses. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. We I think cut... almost all of them were good, though. I respect your opinion. But Everything but the Sortipede. You like the Valkyrie. You remember the Valkyrie with great fondness. I remember liking the Valkyrie fight. What about it? I thought it was you had to do some like cool positional stuff, like hide oh, like under, a second. hide behind rubble. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I I'll mean, that's really that. the only positional thing that they have you do in this game, but it was cool. Yeah. Look, yeah. it's fine. I liked it. Let's talk about the part of the game that made no sense. Okay. Well, let's good. talk about Kingdom Hearts three. It's four. Um, four, whatever. I don't even know at this point. So man. at this point, you get the Keyblade. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> basically, yes. At this point, you make it to the end of the highway, and then Aerith basically pulls out a Keyblade and unlocks the key <laughs> to a door to a different world. Uh, oh Aerith gosh. talks about being at a, a crossroads to destiny and them not like them basically needing to go after Sephiroth um, and him not caring about the planet. Um, at what point, you also like look back and see that Midgar is essentially like completely surrounded by the whispers. Um, and then you all, you know, kind of 
independently agree that whatever's on the other side of destiny, you need to kind of go through it and, you know, fight to, to try and save the planet. And there's a lot of dialogue here that is probably important if you dissect it for what it really means, but it's also all kind of, I don't know, it, it could be very empty. It's just kind of like, here's a bunch of cool sounding stuff. Um, but essentially, you go through this portal, end up fighting, again, just literally the boss from the like the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 1. It's like a giant <laughs> monster, like a giant four-limbed monster that kind of has like weird hair, and its limbs are enormous, and it's kind of in the background doing things to you when you're fighting like three smaller whispers. Um, each of the smaller whispers that are like, you know, they're, they're harbingers of fate. Um, which I do think is cool. They mirror um, Tifa, Cloud, and Barrett. Uh, and if you like, look, if you do like your scan ability, it specifically talks about like this one fights with its fist, this one fights with a gun, this one fights with the sword. Um, oh, I didn't. I think I did that, but I didn't quite uh, understand that. That's cool. I got yeah, that I, one. That I got. <laughs> I that one I got. Nice job. Teach, Actually, teach. I don't think I scanned them because I was just like, well, I mean, I just already know to attack their opposite attributes. Yeah. Yeah. I, so you, you you fight these different harbingers of fate like a lot as you run through this giant floating world in an abyss that is also like crumbling parts of Midgar all around you, um, which is a pretty cool environment. Uh, and every time you win one of these fights, you get like a little piece of this giant like representation of fate breaks off and you're treated to like a little tiny CGI cutscene, um, which is ostensibly like what would happen if fate didn't change um and again each of those cgi cutscenes are re-renderings of actual cgi cutscenes from the original game that happen after the fact um so it is very specifically like you are cutting off pieces of fate that are tied to the events of the original game so uh, and does that mean that that scene won't happen now it is unclear but i think the idea is you are killing the ties from this game to the rest of the game that necessarily what have to happen. Fuck, dude. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I would have picked up on any of this. I feel like I would have enjoyed it so much more. And they don't, they, again, they don't, like, they kind of give you that, but if you don't know no, what don't. you're looking at, you don't really no, get they like, don't. They, they well, do yeah. a little bit. I, I'll, but, give it, I'll give it to Alex here, because if you know what those cutscenes are, then I'm sure that's, like, really cool to you. But for well, me yeah. and you... That was dumb. That was ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, what will happen if we don't do this right now? Oh, no. Red 13 will run in a desert for a little bit. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it really, it, um, it did yeah. not help at all. But no, I'm and, sure and this again, was... It was cool. And those weren't just like little cut. Like they were cutscenes from major moments of the game. It's um, weird because it's kind of like it's it's. It's almost like fan service that's also anti-fan service. It's saying, like, this is for you, the people who played this game and enjoyed it, but also we're not going to play to your needs and wants anymore. I, yes, I love it because it almost feels like a middle finger from the developers to the people who wanted them to follow beat by beat exactly that's the original crazy. game. Um, and I think it's like, again, I don't know how well I still land on it working, but I also really, really liked it. Um, I think so it we, doesn't we'll, work, but it does. We'll, we'll, let's yeah, talk more ahead. about it in a little yeah. bit. We can kind of get through, because all of this is tied to everything that happens from here on out. Um, so you fight Sephiroth. He shows up. You fight him. Um, I think this fight is pretty good overall, like for a final boss fight. 
again, I, I think they do Sephiroth pretty dirty in terms of making him an interesting villain in this game because they just don't tell you fucking anything about him. Um, but I do think the fight was pretty cool and like a bunch of different characters, like a bunch of different party members jump in um, over time to make it like a more fleshed out fight, um, which apparently it, it's not set which three party members you end up fighting Sephiroth, which, which I think is kind of cool. Um, but you, after beating him in this like actual fight, he essentially teleports Cloud to, I don't know, the moon, sort of, Space. it kind of feels like, I don't know, um, where him and Cloud fight a little bit and then, you know, Sephiroth essentially asks him to ask Cloud to join him saying something to the effect of like, hey, we can kill Destiny together or like, you know, come join me to do all of this and, and Cloud refuses and, you know, Sephiroth essentially beats him in a fight and then tells Cloud that there are seven seconds until the end and that's time enough for him maybe and then disappears and Cloud kind of is left looking at this representation of the abyss um, and then that is like the end of the actual game and everything after that is like a weird cutscene. Um, this part still confuses me a lot because I don't know what that is supposed to be referencing. I don't know what Sephiroth is asking. Again, I think it's kind of cool to be like, again, this is definitely a game grappling with the history of this game. Um, and I think you get a little bit of that here again with Sephiroth, maybe like asking to cut ties with, uh, you know, the whole game being a like burden on Square Enix. It's very weird. Um, but in this final cutscene afterwards, you get, um, a little scene of Rufus Shinra looking at the new crew that he has, because he's now the president of Shinra, um, which I think is, you know, just kind of representational. Like, that all tracks. It's like, hey, here's potentially new antagonists going forward. Um, you get a scene of Hojo laughing at Jenova's um, broken tank, uh, just kind of indicating that, like, okay, Hojo still maybe sort of knows what's going on. Uh, you get... This very long and probably extremely confusing cutscene for you guys uh, of a character named Zack who looks a lot like Cloud using the Buster Sword to fight off a lot of Shinra troops. Same before, exact outfit. Same exact outfit, physically talking to Cloud, saying, wasn't that cool, Cloud, after he is, like, <laughs> dying from fighting these troops, and then seeing Midgar, like, materialize in front of him and him starting to walk towards it. Uh, and then we get a nice little um, montage of the people rebuilding the Sector 7 slums, of Marlene, like, you know, staying over at Almira's house. We get a scene of um, the orphanage, which kind of, like, pans up to the top of the orphanage, where we see that uh, actually Biggs is still alive. He's just injured in a bed. Um, somewhere, somewhere before all this happened, I totally forgot that <laughs> Wedge is, like dragged out of a window at the top of Shinra Tower by the Whispers, which, again, that was kind of what I was talking about. Wedge is supposed to die in the original game, so I think the Whispers were just like, ah, you did enough, so we're going to drag you out of the top of this tower and drop you to your death. Um, but also, we didn't see him die, so I won't believe it. Uh, and then everybody, we are treated to the whole party standing outside of Midgar on kind of like a rainy day talking about how they still don't have a choice. They have to go hunt Sephiroth, and then they are, you know, going to to walk off into the next part of the game where the the hunt for Sephiroth begins and the you know unknown story will will continue and then um, you pass through Zack Aerith sees Zack or yep. somehow and then you pass through him and um he disappears so 
Also, and this is not something that I noticed. This is something that other podcasts I listened to pointed out to me. But one of the things that you see at the end of the game is like a bag of essentially chips or something that had that dog on it. Yeah. Like fly in front of the screen. And you see if you like you see a picture of that dog and it is definitely a different version of that dog that then existed in the world you were in previously. Oh. You're in a different universe. So it is it, it is potentially implied that you are not in the same timeline anymore. Uh, I feel like, I don't know. But really that's hope... an implication. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I really hope they do the next game well and explain this stuff because there is so much left unanswered here and so much yeah. that I don't know and that, I mean, you don't even know. And there's you a lot the that I don't know because there's a lot yeah. that they've set up to just be different. Yeah. I, I feel like it's going to be one of those things where it's like, I'm going to play the new game. And then I'm still going to have to go online and, like, figure out what this stuff is about because it's all over the place. I don't yeah. think you so, should, you know? I, I think that's a – I know that's the high temptation because that's what I do when a game's finished. But this one's so unfinished, I I don't know. I, I'm going to try and not look at anything about this because I really want – I don't know. I want this to be as pure of a different story as possible so mm-hmm. I can feel out ff7 but you know obviously feel free to read whatever but it's just like it's kind of a thing that i decided when i finished it i'm like well i'm not gonna read anything as much as i'm tempted to (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that's that's good and I, i imagine the temptation is high because at this point, if I'm understanding correctly, you don't know who Sephiroth is or why no. he's important. You don't nope. know what Genova is or why they're important. You don't know why you've seen a meteor like five times throughout the game. You don't know who Zack is. You don't know who that weird cat person is. Like, they introduce a lot of stuff that they don't follow through with. I want to know and the cat person. <laughs> from, you know, from the cutscene at the end of the plate falling. I want to know the, no, I want to know the cat person more than I want to know Sephiroth at this point. <laughs> Who's <laughs> that freaky little cat? He's so out of place. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, to give my, my thoughts on this ending that should be pretty obvious as to what they are, because it, Alex sort of touched on that already. We, we mentioned it. It's just like it felt like this part was like, listen, newbies, sit down. We're about to mess with. We're about to cook up a really, really, really nasty end to this plot and you're not going to know what's going on and you're just going to have to deal with it and it made me feel like very very neutral on the ending and it made me feel like it wasn't an ending that was made for me and I understand that and I can appreciate it because I knew that like it's different than the original and you know that this is meaningful for the people playing it and hearing, you know, more about this, these whispers and everything like that, I feel much more positive on it now a little bit and thinking about that and, and hearing Alex talk about that. Because if I was a fan of this, I would be losing my mind. I love this alternate <laughs> timeline stuff and this, like, you know, different than the original and, like, you know, the meta context of the developers. Like, I like all that stuff quite a lot. So, yeah, yeah that that that's my, my feelings. Josh, do you have... Anything? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say I hold pretty pretty similar feelings. Um, I, I mean, I liked the ending, but how well can you really do an ending that's not an ending? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it left me wanting more for sure. If anything, 
what I think about mostly with this midway ending point here is that I do appreciate that you don't really understand what's going on, Alex, having played the original. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that I hope that this game is kind of like the developers saying like, hey, look, here are moments we can do the original like in this remake, but we're not going to do the original as much on the second part of the remake. And I think that's really cool, and I hope they do that. I think that's what they're going to do. Like, I again, I don't have any strong reason to believe that, but, like, it really feels like I will be very surprised if they don't still continue to follow the same general story, but allow themselves a lot more freedom to just branch off if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that it's great to see that people are happy about it because i know that and you know there are obviously some people who are very unhappy about the mm-hmm. direction they're taking and stuff like that and those people just just play the ps1 then then just play the yep. ps1 one there's this, is, this isn't for you then it is functionally um, a different game yeah and and i think that it's really important that you know we try different stuff and there are so many sequels out there and there's so many remakes and this is definitely playing off your nostalgia. It has to be. Like, I mean, you wouldn't, you may, if this was Final Fantasy 17 and you never knew about 7 or whatever, I'm not sure if you would be that interested in it. But um, uh, I think that because the legend is there and because there's so much information there, it is a, uh, it's a cool experience. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. And I, to be fair, like, yes, it is playing off my nostalgia, but again, I think the thing that is, is really cool is, like, it's not just playing off my nostalgia. It's also playing off the developer's nostalgia, because there are a lot of the developers of this game are, like, they were junior developers on the original Final Fantasy VII, and they have now had long careers, and they are senior developers on this game, and I think that's really cool, too. So, that... when they shadow killed Barrett, do you think that, like, like they're, you know, because, like, when... when... Sephiroth stabbed Barrett. It wasn't like he bled like Sh- President Shinra did. He had like g- like gray clouds around mm-hmm. the stab wound. Is that like maybe them saying like we would have loved to get rid of Barrett in this part? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was them just trying to get a get get a fun one over on you because you okay. know you go like oh no Barrett they couldn't <laughs> they wouldn't. Um, I don't think that one had much behind it. Okay, all right. Um, just being like, we really well, fucking hate this character. <laughs> we just don't like Barrett that much. Um, um, okay. I, I think I think it's cool, and I think again, one of the things that excites me is as much for as much as I think they're going to do a lot of new stuff, they don't have to right like yeah and that that is what's exciting to me is at the end of this game like physically unless we are technically in a different timeline which is implied but not explicitly stated so i'm not going to count it for sure like nothing is functionally different than this exact moment in the original final fantasy 7 other than like sephiroth showed up for a while right this whole destiny crossroads thing didn't happen but like when you're all standing on the planes outside of midgar and deciding to go forward that I mean, that is still a scene in the original Final Fantasy VII. You are all outside the walls of Midgar talking about where you're going next. So, like, it's still in the exact position that it normally would be. It's just, like, they bought themselves the freedom to do other things as they see fit. And I think that's really interesting. Hmm. So, yep, I, I don't know. I like it. Um, I think it sucks shit that Biggs didn't die. <laughs> um, I think that's yeah, just, honestly, like... 
honestly just fucking kill just kill somebody have the balls to kill somebody kill Biggs um, keep Jesse alive yes please, honestly please keep Jesse keep I mean to be fair though we don't need another girl in Cloud's harem of of manic pixie dream girls we don't <laughs> I mean, need another one we don't there need enough, it but it's okay true. it's okay yeah yeah <laughs> um, have Jesse fall for Barrett then it's fine honestly why is no one deeply madly in love with Barrett why does he I, not have you have seen his eyes how could you not be madly in love with Barrett I, I mean, when he got those sunglasses off, yeah, he got Ugh. it. He's got He's it. He's a soft boy. <laughs> He's a soft boy. I, I mean, can you imagine just the just the gentle caress from his hands that are the size of your whole head? <laughs> hand. <laughs> One hand. Singular One hand. hand. Unless, unless you want to feel the cool brush of steel against your cheek. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. That... that... Do you think when he climaxes, he fires a round off? (laughs) We can cut that one out. Nope, we're going to leave it in, but we're going to edit in 25 minutes of silence. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so I I think I'm very excited to see where this story goes next. I think overall, um, I I think, yeah, that this was a game that was written for people who have played the original one, which... Kind of sucks that it just didn't land at all for you guys. I was hoping maybe some part of it would land, but looking back on it, I just don't know what would. Um, no. And they also, like, Sephiroth didn't need to be in this one as much as he was. Yeah. Um, Can we, all the migraines were super unnecessary. And Yeah. I mean, the, well, the migraines, again, the migraines are part of the original. In the beginning, I thought it was very cool. So like, what? You see him in the <laughs> broken city. Mm-hmm. Well, the so the migraines... They lead to a story point that they're probably okay. still going to. So, yeah, I guess. I, I just, does it, would it matter, Alex? Would it matter if we, like, let's say around chapter 16 or 17, we got some information about Sephiroth. Do you think that would have mattered Again, all that much? I think it would have been extremely helpful, actually. Again, this game ends 20 minutes, essentially, before the info dump about Cloud and Sephiroth. Like, it really... And again, in the because in the original game you still haven't even seen Sephiroth by this point. Like it is, they extremely did not do well with him as a character without context at all. Like he's just like you know him because of course you know him. He's the video game villain that has been in like nine different games and movies. But like you don't know fucking anything about him. You know nothing about him. And I think that it sucks that they didn't include anything to give new players a reason to like be engaged with or afraid of or angry at or anything with them. Like it, it was poorly done. Maybe they thought that just being said that like he doesn't care about the planet was enough, but it's definitely not enough. That's like 30% of the population of the U S right now. Like I, <laughs> it's, it's not going to make a villain. Okay. Like really? I mean, yeah, they did not do well with him. You're right. You're right. I mean, I like as I was playing through, I was playing through with some people watching, and I was just explaining stuff about Sephiroth the whole time. I was just like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, he's yeah, he's a one winged angel, and uh, yeah, he's cool. Oh, there's his angel, uh, his wings, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he's but, uh, he's really cool. He has a long sword. Up oh, there, his there's a long sword. Like I had to explain <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, but, but you, but you weren't explaining anything, yeah. though, right? You were essentially just like, "Oh yeah, let me describe features of him," because you didn't fucking know anything about like well, who, I mean, who like, is Sephiroth. Yeah. What does he want to do? Where did he come from? What is like why is but he I the mean, way he is but i mean like even that much it's just like who is this dude random guy and i was like oh yeah he's the bad guy 
and like they yeah. don't even like say that much really they're just like no they don't and like by this point in the game like when like sephiroth kills president shinra there's like a, there is a conversation that happens in the original game where Tifa's like, well, maybe or not Tifa, like Barrett or Aerith or somebody's like, well, is he on our side? He killed the president of Shinra, and like because people don't know, and that's like what triggers that. It, it's I don't know why they didn't include something, anything for you to latch onto there. Well, you know, I think chapters about. Chapter, maybe the middle, chapter 17 and on, just wasn't really for us. But I think the rest, it played well. Um, I think I got, again, kind of maybe closing thoughts on this. I think I got, again, I got tired in the middle end. I agree with Josh's sentiments of being like, this just dragged on and on. And I just really wanted to get to the end um, by, by all these freaking boss fights and i feel like they didn't add a lot in the middle of this like the scenes added a lot of you know their discussions but the uh, i feel like they just repeated a lot of the same information where it's like the planet is dying this corporation is very very bad sephiroth is very very bad and it kind of it wore on me but the spectacle the action the visuals the combat I I can't I can't not say that it was it was good. It just it just took so fucking long. But that's mm-hmm. JRPGs, baby. That is. Mm-hmm. This is short by a JRPG standard. True, it's only thirty hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to mention real quick. There is a a hard mode to the game. Um, I just want to talk about it because I have some some thoughts on it. Where they they open up like a chapter select and a hard mode when you select chapters that you can choose. Uh, and also when you do chapter select, you get like three times the experience and five and a half times the AP or something like that. Um, so that you can level up really quickly and get to max level and max out all your materia and stuff. Um, and they added like a bunch of secret boss fights in the um, like Shinra VR simulator thing that they also put at a convenient location. And all of that's really cool. And like the hard mode fights are a lot of fun and force you to like interact and think about materia a lot more in a way that's really, really interesting and a lot of fun. But they also do this really fucking stupid thing where you can't use items in hard mode, which is fine, because they make the game a lot easier, so they make you rely on your materia, which is fine, but they also make it so when you rest at a bench, you don't recover MP. So the only way to recover your MP <laughs> is to, like, either put on some materia that, like, gives you MP based on damage you did, or use Eris' ability to steal it, or complete, like, one of a few side quests throughout the game that at the end of it completely restores your MP. And, like, I have no fucking clue why they did that, because it just makes me not want to play the game, because it's like, hey, these fights are a lot harder, and you have to be, like, really strategic about them, but also you're punished for using your magic, and the magic is a lot of fun to use, and I, it, it could have been so, I would have played through the whole game again, but they completely fucked that up. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like any fun. It's just, it's <laughs> dumb. Like, it's fun to do the, the arena fights, because they restore half your mana every fight, so, like, it doesn't matter, but... Ugh, they they fucked it up, and it makes me mad because it was so close to being great. But the arena fights are worth doing because you get to fight some cool monsters that you don't have in the original game. Great. Well, um, Josh, will you join us in 2025 when Final Fantasy VII <laughs> I, Part Two comes back? I will join you in 2025, and if anything, you know, maybe maybe this long break turns out to be good. Maybe we needed some time to, to uh, digest this whole 
all this crazy stuff at the end and we come back and it turns out to be really good that we had this long break. Oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to comprehend any of this. I doubt all. <laughs> I will learn nothing about Sephiroth and what he wants and um yeah, I don't think I'll learn anything. But I, I hope want, you do. I yeah. want final estimates from each of you about when you think part 2 is coming out and how many parts you think the game is going to be overall. Oh, okay, realistically, let me pull up a calendar. <laughs> I mean, pull up a calendar. Let me uh, let me pull up the the ancient Mayan almanac. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like okay, I mean they've so got all the assets, right? Yeah. And when's the first? When did this one come out? Uh, I want to say April of this year. When did Breath of the Wild come out? Twenty seventeen. And that one's not even coming out for another year. So, um, Alex, when did um, when did Roller Coaster Tycoon two come out? That this. has to have been like ninety nine. No, that was okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay. When do you think the first one came out? Probably ninety six. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna fucking the, lose my the, mind the, if I'm the, right. The, I'm looking it up right now. The final release date of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Fi- like final release date of when it came out initially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that would have been 2000 and early 2019. And where were you? Uh, not too far from here. Okay. 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 Um, 2025. I'm literally, I'm saying 2025. You think part two comes out in 2025? Yeah. It feels right to me. It feels right. I was wicked wrong with Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. It was 2002. Damn. Four years feels too soon to say 2020. Actually... Do we know when the PS5 is hmm. coming around? This holiday, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. This holiday? November <laughs> 20th. Um, I'm going to say... I mean, they have a lot of the assets. I'm going to say late... I'm going to say late... Or no, I'm going to say mid-2023. Okay. Wow. How many parts do you think it will be? Total. Three. Three. Yeah, three. I agree, mm-hmm. Josh. Three. All right. All right. I think you're both yeah, what about you? on both of those. I think we see part two. I think we get a estimated release date of holiday 2021. I think we get an actual release date of summer 2022. And I think we probably see five parts before this is over. I think they're oh. setting up, for, I think they're setting wow. up a franchise. You're insane. That quickly? I think so. I think they said in an interview that they were working hard to get it out by like the end of 2021 or something, and like that's not going to happen. But oh well, it... you're using information. I was just guessing. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's what I would have guessed anyway. Okay. Well. I think again. Five I think so parts? much of this was the original assets and figuring out the combat system. Five parts, dude. I think yeah. Again, so if they're just doing the original game, this was legitimately the first five to ten hours of a fifty-hour game, um, but. I think they're just gonna. I think they're gonna milk this baby for all it's worth. So if they release every two years, let's say, mm-hmm. that's that's fucking twenty thirty finish date, dude. It's a ten year plan, man. Destiny One came ten- out with oh a ten my year gosh, plan. You're right. Everybody loves their ten year plans. Oh my god, dude. Oh, <laughs> I feel sick to my stomach, dude. I can't. <laughs> I can't triple slash that much. I can't. I can't. Also, can we can we just say well, who's your favorite character to play as, like to 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 swing around as? 
not the most often uh, used, but just like favorite. In optimal settings, I would say Tifa because she just you were able to basically constantly use abilities, and it was a lot of fun. Yes, I'd say Barrett. Barrett just seemed like fun, like especially after you get that um, uh, the ability where it just like shoots a constant stream of bullets. Oh my god! Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. I love very um, good ability. I actually really, I uh, when I kind of learned to be more efficient with everything, I really love switching to him, pop, popping off his triangle and getting like two ATB, and then just like maximum fury, and then switch back. It just felt yep. like it felt very yeah. satisfying. Um, and I love all of his voice lines as he fights. No, uh, no love for Aerith in this call. Nobody wants to be no. an Aerith stand. Absolutely in terms of- <laughs> not. Absolutely. You know, not. I will say I really enjoyed Aerith like more than I thought I would. Especially once I learned uh, I could use her her triangle. Her charged ability and then a Blizzara, and it just did a ton of damage. Yeah, but of course they have to be standing still. So yeah, I, she yeah. got better the more abilities you unlocked and the more like materia you slotted onto her. But man, her just like basic square was just so fucking boring. She also just sounds so pitiful anytime you switch to her or like try and attack with her. It's just always very like. M- me like are you sure i don't know if i could do this kind of things or like all I'd... their voice lines were kind of bad at the end of battles sometimes yeah I-, I hated when they i felt judged after like like I-, I i i took on like an extremely hard encounter and they were all very low health and cloud's like we got to do better next time it's just yep. <laughs> piss off you little cry baby yeah, it's like, we gotta do better next time. And Tifa's like, I could really use a shower. And yeah, like, what's in the middle up with of that? Tower or something. <laughs> All the things to worry uh, about, Tifa. Yeah. I could really do some pull-ups. God, I wish I could do some pull-ups. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, does anybody have anything else they want to say, or is that a wrap on Final Fantasy VII Remake? That's a wrap. Wrap it up. Yeah, Josh seems to be... Uh, I had like I had, I had one point, but it's fine. We can just no, wrap here. it up. That was wrapping up for me, not for you. Oh, I didn't have anything. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to make you feel bad. <laughs> that's my dark Classic twisted, Duncan. dark twisted ways. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a that's a series wrap on Final Fantasy VII. May we never play it again. I can't wait to force us to play it again when the sequel comes out. Mm-hmm. No, no, I actually really <laughs> I want to play it. I want to continue this legacy. Um, okay, well, if you enjoyed this episode I, before you leave i actually have an important thing to say before you leave i do have one more hot take i need you to go to twitch.tv right now and look up joko games twitch tv wow. slash joko games wow. because he is doing some undertale stuff right now i don't know if he's still doing that but uh, we're doing Undertale for the podcast. He's been playing it live. I've mm-hmm. tuned into two episodes. It's been a blast. So come check it out. Um, yeah. Anything else to say about that? Uh, I'm doing that full playthrough on my Twitch channel. Uh, I'm not playing any off stream. And yeah, I'm enjoying the game a lot. And I can't wait to talk about it. Great, great, great. For us, that's thoughtsfromplayer1at gmail.com. If you want to send us any recommendations, any questions anything like that that's where you can reach us also at twitter uh twitter uh dot com slash thoughts from p1 that's p and then the letter the number one not the letter uh and then leave us a review on anything you can it helps us out a lot get recommended to other people so people can enjoy us talking about these cool cool video games 
Uh, we have a Facebook that we never post to, but you could show your love there. And um, I think that's it. Oh, we have a Discord channel that is just so popping off right now. It's it's so hot in here. There's so much stuff to say um, uh, that people are saying. So we'd come, come on and join that. Um, and uh, that's in the description. So yeah, I think that's I think that's everything. Alex, do you have a Final Fantasy VII greeting card or something about destiny or fate? Oh God, I'm looking. I'm looking so hard. There's a lot of there's a lot of birthday cards that just are like happy birthday, and then it's got insert your name here, and it's a picture from Final Fantasy VII. But that's nothing. Although one of them on Google is already filled in with Joshua, so that's fun. Hey. Um, what about like, uh, uh, no, this is never mind, never mind, never mind. <laughs> really, not even gonna, uh, not even gonna follow nah, through. Nah, I'm not gonna try to follow through on that. It's something about like we find these cards online. I mean, these are they're real greeting cards that we find. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna try and come up with my own. I kind of like it. I appreciate that. If you got something good, if you can come up with something good, we will allow you the guest segment to do it. Yeah. Hmm. Something like I wanted to send you a greeting card, but I died on the way. Luckily, the whispers brought me back to life. <laughs> Let's not give him the guest spot. I don't think he's earned it yet. <laughs> Let's just like hold on. I got this one. I got this one. I did find one from Crafty Bitch Empire. <laughs> nice, dude. Be careful, dude. That that's that that you'll get in trouble. I mean, I won't. We'll bleep that part out. Um, I'll just amend it very slightly here. This is a a happy birthday card, but it's. The whispers of fate made us friends, but wine made us soul sisters. Happy birthday. Oh, my heart! Ah! <laughs> Top comment on it says, bought this for my mother-in-law. She loved it, exactly as pictured. <laughs> 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 uh, good night, everyone.